Hello, this is Gary Van Wormerdam. This is the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. This podcast is on the dream of Maya. It's inspired by a dream I had. So I was exploring temptation. Um, Maya is a Hindu term for the, the goddess that represents illusions. Uh, you might also find this in the Buddhist pr- tradition represented by Mara. Mara is the, the goddess who tempted Buddha as he sat under the tree and pursued his enlightenment, trying to scare him and tempt him in different ways. That temptation in, in the Christian mystery tradition is known by, well, lots of different names of temptation of Christ in the desert that challenged him. But uh, we could also think of it as ego the ego that challenges us. It's in the form of our false beliefs. Could also say this is, uh, in the Jungian model, our unconscious, and in larger scale, the collective unconscious, the world of temptation. Maya and Mara and the collective unconscious is our, our version of that, our personal challenge with that is our own habits and fears and opinions and self-sabotaging beliefs. And you can find out more about how to address these in the self-mastery course on my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. So one of the faces of Mara is the stories we tell. The stories we listen to. The stories we tell each other, but most often the stories in the form of thoughts we tell ourselves and believe. But this happens both internally in the conversations in our own head, and it happens externally in the conversations we have with others or the conversations we listen to that go on in the world and creates a big drama. And so I had this dream and I thought I'd share, begins with two politicians and they were, uh, I think it might have been George Clooney, at least one of my thought it was, and, and the other one might have been a Matt Damon. Not sure. It's a dream. It's not exactly clear. Uh, but there's two politicians, and they came out to give a press conference, and they were very happy and excited that, to share their initiative for peace. Big plan for peace that they were going to run through Congress, I suppose it was, some legislative body. This agenda for peace getting a big launch and rollout and they wanted to share it with the press and get it talked about and get support for it. And as they're doing the big rollout press conference, there's news that there is going on in the legislative body an initiative for war, that there's an aggressive stance being taken by a party to take on this adversary. And so these two politicians with their initiative for peace, they go running off into the legislative body to quell and quiet, subdue this initiative for war. There's a threat and there's a fear that there will be uh, an attack and that this threat needs to be handled with a strength and with an authority that gives us a sense of security and safety that this initiative for peace will not fulfill, and that this initiative for for peace looks weak and is actually opening us 
to a vulnerability. And so as the proponents of this initiative for peace begin to engage in the conversation and debate and try to persuade their colleagues, their colleagues are driven by fear and anger and and they really are fighting for the peace that they want through superior strength. And they see these placating attitudes as just a threat. And they raise their voices and try to really persuade these advocates of initiative for peace. And the advocates for initiative for peace to be heard need to speak louder. And so they raise their voices. And feeling not heard, the advocates for the initiative for war, they raise their voices. And feeling not heard, the advocates for the initiative for peace, they raise their voices. Everybody trying to be heard, yelling louder, nobody actually listening, until both sides are yelling at each other, both angry that the other side is not listening and coming to some reasonable conclusion that they know they have. And if the other side would just listen, they would understand it too. And in another circle, the press was monitoring the debate, the arguments for the initiative for peace and the initiative for war and the conflict between the two sides and how heated the argument was becoming, the emotions that were fired up in the initiative for peace, the hope and desire and the fear and anger and the and the need for security and safety for the initiative for war. And the press got a hold of this story, both sides of the story, and they published and printed and talked about and reported and got interviews for all of the arguments for the initiative for peace and all the arguments for the initiative of war. And they shared this story with the public and the story about the conflict between the two sides. And people listened to these stories. And they became fired up. They became fired up and hopeful for the initiative for peace. And they became fired up and hopeful for the initiative for war that they would provide, finally provide them a sense of safety. And each side became fearful, the other side, that the other side would take away that safety. And each side became angry at the other side that in taking away their safety that they felt threatened we're angry at the other side not listening. And so each side spoke louder and became more emotional. And in another circle, these arguments, debates, emotional agendas, each side sounding right to the side they were on, each side sounding wrong to the side they weren't on, spread into conversations with people at work or families on holidays and conversations and memes and social media. And so the emotional stories weren't just about the initiative for peace after a while, the initiative for war and how each one was actually good and the other one was bad. It was about how dumb and stupid the other side was. And so there was a story about how we were smart and we were right and the other side is dumb and stupid and they're going to get us in a lot of trouble. And both sides had the same story about the other side. which created another story that the press reported on and documentaries reported on about the tribalism between the groups that were 
supporting the initiative for peace group that was tribal and the way it behaved supporting the initiative for war. Both sides afraid that their story, their idea, their opinion wouldn't be heard, feeling unheard and yelling louder and posting more on social media, getting louder in their interviews and louder in their debates, their family conversations. So sometimes they couldn't talk to each other because the stories were so loud and the emotions so high that it hurt. And after this had gone on for a while, there was another circle studying the stories and the tribalism, the level, the political circle, the press circle, the social media circle, the family circle, and how all these stories were creating this incredible impact on society of people talking and not listening to each other. The stories being louder than the people themselves. People no longer being seen as they are, but rather as a just a participant on a side of a story about initiatives. And so the academics gathered, and they studied this, and they presented papers and wrote books and told the story about these stories, about tribalism, about social media, about the press, and about the initiative for peace and the initiative for war. And now all the stories were in conflict and what it was doing to people in society. And the academics gave their analysis. They talked about, certainly there were valid points on the initiative for peace, but it didn't consider the other possibilities that the initiative for war and aggression considered that might come into play. There were possible threats that could happen. And the people who were for the initiative war, they, yes, certainly were patriots and wanted to defend their country and keep their families protected. But were they open enough to diplomacy? Could they do both? So the debate with the academics would happen. And they debated the press. They debated the, how the press was reporting the story. They debated, were they telling the truth? Or was it their job to let each side tell its own side and let the public figure it out? Even if things weren't exactly true in the way things were being presented, they were from different perspectives and biased and opinionated. And was it the press's job to fact check everyone? Was what these academics discussed. Or was it their job and not filter it through a fact checking system? And who was determining those fact checking fact checking systems anyways? How were these fact checking systems instituted? And the academics discussed the role of the press the evolution of the press. Was it reporting the truth or was it manufacturing consent based on agendas of, say, corporate profit because these press institutions had become institutions of business and were designed to make a profit and had to sell newspapers and ad time and website subscriptions. And that their business wasn't so much driven by telling and reporting the truth in a wide breadth and scope, but maybe a more narrow focus that sold subscriptions to readers that made a profit. And then became the question for the academics as they analyzed this, how was this capitalist system constructed? And could you have a free market system run by big business that was designed to make a profit? Or should it be more designed to tell the truth? And could you have both a capitalist system that was designed to tell the truth?
and educate the public. And certainly it was good to make a profit, but there were discussions in the academic world of how much profit did you need to make? What was the right amount of profit? What was too much profit? Could we work better as a society if we shared in that profit as opposed to the wealth inequality was being generated? And so they did their papers on the wealth inequality and provided the statistics. And there were studies by the academics on why the policies weren't changing for something that was obviously better. And so the academics and the information, the facts were all checked out, provided at the conference. And then there was the story of the analysis about why all these pieces were in their little corners, in their little factions, doing their own roles, seeming to perpetuate systems and stories that continued for generation and generation. And they discussed at one of these conferences how each group was in its own camp and trying to make sure it got its own needs met. And each group was trying to do its best, but not everybody had the full picture. Matter of fact, they concluded no one had the full picture. The people for the Initiative for Peace were deep in their belief system, in their limited paradigm, looking out the world from their lens of world, making the world a better place. And they couldn't see what the people for the Initiative War saw in their world and how they looked out at the world through their lens of their belief system and how their defense of the country and strength had protected them for many years, and they relied on it. And how they wanted to ensure that continued protection. But those people didn't understand because they had limited viewpoint because of their belief system, how the press could share both sides equally or fact check them on certain opinions or not give them the microphone and not support them. And the people in the press, they were in their own limited belief system. At least each person. Some people were more and we have to tell the truth. Some people were in the camp of we have to just share what people are doing and let people sort out the truth for themselves. It's not our job to play referee. And so at this conference, they discussed how each side was in its own viewpoint, trying to navigate the myriad of stories, myriad of emotions, and social media posts, and how to manage that. How people were becoming more and more in their own bubble, each talking and echoing their own story and not listening to one another beyond it. And then the academics, some of them had enough awareness to realize we also don't have the whole picture. We also don't have the whole story. We're showing up because of our life, because of our experiences, with our own personal perspective, belief system, and therefore agenda, with what we think is important and what should be heard. Whether we're advocating for a more free and truthful press, for a side of the initiative of peace or an aspect for the initiative of war, 
we come with our own bias. And they put the lens on themselves and said, we have our own belief systems. And we're advocating for things consciously or unconsciously from our own bubble. And as one of these conferences was wrapping up and everyone concluded that everyone was in their own bubble and they were all trying to get out and no one had the big picture and therefore no one had an answer that was comprehensive to the whole thing. But they felt satisfied that they got their story out, they got to share their opinion and other people listened and heard as they all nodded around the table. So there was some satisfaction there being heard. And so they were ready to go at the end of this conference. But right at the end, a gentleman from the back who'd been listening all day got up and he got to the microphone and he asked, just for a few minutes, you just pause what you're doing. And part of the crowd heard them. Part of the crowd was standing up, getting their coats and briefcases and papers together, opening up their cell phones and checking their emails. And, and he asked, Please, just for a moment, just for a moment, take a pause and put your attention inward and notice what you feel. And some people told him to be quiet. It wasn't his turn to talk. It wasn't his place. He hadn't been on the schedule and they were tired and they were ready to go home and they had their kids to pick up at soccer and dinner to cook and papers to grade and they were busy and they were tired and they wanted to go. And some people tried to listen, but it was hard to hear what the man was saying with these people telling him to sit down and be quiet. And some people tried to put their attention inward, but they were also distracted by these people telling him to be quiet. And so the man said again, Please, just take a moment. Just pause what you're doing. Put your attention inward. What do you feel? Even what do you feel in how you want to respond to me about me asking you to take a moment and pause and look inward? Notice how that feeling is directing how you want to respond to me. And more people heard him this time. And the room got a bit quieter. Some people were still busy to go and rustling their coats and their papers. And it's because they, they had to get home and they didn't want to be caught in traffic. And their kids needed to get to soccer practice. They needed to get to a grocery store and pick up food for dinner and make dinner and make sure the lunches were made before the morning because they had another meeting to get to. And so they continued to get ready and distracting people. But some began to talk. And that was distractive, but some looked inward. And for a moment, they looked inward and they could feel something there. Maybe it was aggression that this guy was asking to take just a few more moments. Some people felt a peace and calm. Some people felt this chaos about their day. And what did it all mean? And a few people got a little deeper and they felt just quiet, noticing the chaos they felt. And then the cleaning crew started the vacuum cleaner and they started sucking up messes that were around the room. And then another person cleaning up the stacking the plates dropped a whole bunch of plates on the floor and made a big loud crash. And everybody looked over 
as their attention darted to the plates and the vacuum cleaner in the room. And they lost track of what they were doing with their attention. This is how Maya, the illusions, manifest the stories we tell ourselves, tell each other, listen to through the news and the media and processes. And part of why the world goes around in chaos over and over again. Why a person's individual mind goes around and round in stories, many stories, looping back and forth in chaos, staying stuck. The same kind of stories this week as last week, this year as last year. It's like the year before until you take a hold of your attention and you start pulling it out of these very tempting, juicy, emotional stories, whether they be on social media or the news or academia. You begin to pull your attention out of the Maya, the illusions, stories. for practices in how to get free of the stories and the cycles of emotion they pull us in. Check out the self-mastery course at pathwaytohappiness.com for yourself from those things. This is Gary Van Wormerdam, the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast from pathwaytohappiness.com.